everybody. Chris Marshall of the Payne Street Team brought to you by Payne Auto Group Valley Wide and PayneAutoGroup.com, where we have what you want located through KDS regardless. And it's time for another episode of Payne Auto Talk. And today, for our episode of Payne Auto Talk, we have the lovely Mrs. Deidre Payne. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, Chris. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for being here and taking time out of your schedule. And Deidre is the head cheese. She is the princess queen honchess of Payne Insurance Group. We have Payne Auto Group, but now we also have Payne Insurance Group. And we're going to be talking about that here a little bit later because, you know, buying a car is one thing, but also you got to have that insurance, right? Yes, absolutely. You want to protect that big, beautiful, shiny thing that you just got. So oh, yeah. this is the best place to do it. Yeah, I was about to say, and we are here at, uh, today we're at Paint Edinburgh CDJR, and uh, they've got a lot of nice, shiny things, that new uh, Grand Wagoneer, and we'll talk about that too, because you drive one. I do. <laughs> I know. And I do, and it is wonderful. It's, it's great legit. for advertising purposes too. I think I've sold two already. I know, it's legit, man. That 6.4 is so much fun. A little bit scary, but in all the best ways. Oh, I quote Emperor Palpatine. Power! Unlimited <laughs> power! Yes, so absolutely. Let's, we're going to dive right in. So you are, some folks think you're out of area, but you're a valley girl. I am. I am. My great-grandfather actually came down to Mercedes from Illinois back in the late 1890s. So wow. my family's been here for, you know, well over 100 years. My grandfather was born in Mercedes. My mom and her siblings are born in Mercedes. I'm born here too. So yeah, I'm a valley girl. So farm and family. Farm and family. Awesome. Would, you, would they grow or raise and whatnot? Um, my mom's parents had 40 acres in Mercedes and they had citrus and leased out the front part of the fields to um, other people and they did watermelon cotton soybeans all kinds of stuff yeah I'm about to say that's a whole that's a wide spectrum of stuff it was a lot of fun I got to grow up experiencing where your food comes from and growing it mm. ourselves and my grandmother's garden was about five acres worth so we grew everything five and acres of a garden Yes. That's that's a lot of salad. <laughs> well, you know, my grandmother yeah. could make anything grow. She had peaches and grapes, and we had fig trees, avocado trees, pomegranate trees, um, everything. She could make anything grow. And in May, it was the blackberry bushes. You know, in the summertime, it was peaches. She had a loquat tree. If you could eat it, she could grow it and cook probably more than yes, lightly absolutely from scratch from a wood-burning stove well, she could have we did pioneer days when we were kids in the summer with my grandparents so we would live without electricity it was like camping in the house wow you know it was a ton of fun but we cooked all our meals outside we made furniture and tables and things and it was it was so much fun we made soap and lived like pioneers did you wear the bonnet no, fortunately. You didn't wear the no. bonnet. We had to rig up our own shower and oh, wow. make our own 
plumbing type sorts of things and dig our own latrines yeah. and like we only did that for like a day a gravity fed rain barrel we did oh man we did rig that up my grandfather was an engineer so oh, okay. we had all kinds of fun experiences making things and then my dad's parents were carpenters and they also had cows and pigs and chickens so they lived in Laferia, and okay. it was you know get to go from one grandparent's house to the other and they'd send you back and forth with you know meat and bacon from one side and you know pies and jams and jellies on the other and so oh, it was man. it was really an ideal way to grow up that's really cool Bouncing it was a back. ton of fun i bet it was and uh, your first car was a tractor probably yeah first driving experience yeah actually i remember being really little and sitting on my grandfather's lap and driving his little red tractor um and then my my mom's dad their family business was the Roman Equipment Company. Okay. And they sold trucks and tractors and repaired all of them. And they did, I think it was Minneapolis Moline or Missouri Moline tractors. Mm-hmm. MM, one of the two. And that was mm-hmm. the line of tractors they carried. Wow. It yeah. was really cool. Yeah, the uh, late Paul Donaldson from Payne uh, a few yes. years ago, I asked Paul, I was like, hey, uh, you know the history behind Payne Auto Group? And he goes, oh, yeah. And he says, uh the Payne, uh, Mr. Payne, Ed Payne, he, he, um, what was it? International Harvester. Mm-hmm. He says that was the first thing they had. And then they went with the Ed Payne Motors, which was the Dodge, the Mopar stuff. So, yeah. yeah so they started off with tractors too. Yeah. It's really funny to go back and look at some of these, these records of the tractors and the cars. Cause my grandfather bought tons of cars from Payne and I actually found an old check from 1964 I think Mm -hmm. that my grandfather had written to Ed Payne Motors for a 1964 Dodge pickup truck and it was (laughs) so great to see that little piece of history Um, somebody brought that to me a couple of months ago and said Howard Roman on it and I went oh my god that's my grandfather I remember this truck because when I turned 16, he offered it to me. Oh, man. And it was a rust bucket. And, you know, my grandfather had converted all of his cars to run off of butane and gas. Wow. So he, had, he was an engineer. He had a license to do it, and he would make little toggle switches. Mm-hmm. He did it in the Plymouth that he had. He did it in an Oldsmobile that my grandmother had. He did it in that truck, and it was just a little toggle switch. And he picked me up from school one day in third grade and started explaining to me how butane burns very differently than gas and he says i'm going to flip this little switch and we're going to be running on butane and i just remember sitting there thinking i don't really get it but okay that's cool little toggle switch it was great man Uh, he was a man ahead of his time he was in a lot of ways he really was i was lucky i was about to say the that uh great gener the greatest generation they was it necessity is the mother of invention? Absolutely. If it wasn't broke, don't fix it. And if it breaks, figure out how to make it yourself. Yeah, and make it better than the factory sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Did your grandfather ever uh, come up with his own implements for the tractors and stuff? Like he, he would, something would break and he'd weld something on or go, oh, I can make it. Oh, that he better. modified. Yeah. Yes. He, this is a really funny story. My, grandmother got really mad at him one day because he'd come into the house he'd been working on something and he finally told her what it was and he'd built a helicopter and they had you know four kids my mom was the oldest and Mm -hmm. she looked at him and said if you fly that thing i will leave you (laughs) and it basically was 
like a lawn chair with, you know, the propellers and the motor strapped to the back of it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I wish I could have seen that. It hung up in the shop for years and years and years. And I just remember looking at it going, I can't believe he built that. But, you know, that would have hurt real bad oh, yeah. if it fell. Oh, yeah. I was about to say falling in it <laughs> when those, uh, let's say, the uh, in airplanes and helicopters, they say, the pilot starts sweating when the uh, the big fan turns off. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and then Isaac Newton's in the driver's seat, <laughs> and it's not the it's not the Oops. fall that gets you; it's that sudden stop. That's what, yes, that's what Dad used to tell me. But he made canoes for us. You know, oh, welded wow. them out of aluminum and built a little wooden frame, and um, you couldn't sink them because he'd put oh like um, foam empty or something. little oh jugs and jugs whatnot. underneath the the seats for us mm-hmm. so we learned how to canoe and he built um a motorboat out of an old airplane hull oh yeah he got i a think it was one of those b-52 yeah. bombers oh that's he, that's pretty big maybe he it was... built a good little motorboat out of it mm. i was about to say that's yeah because the caf was down here and uh the the now now the commemorative air force uh, it's based up in Dallas but uh, the Confederate Air Force was based right there on two mile west in Mercedes the Mercedes Flying Service shout out to the late great Lloyd Nolan and Lefty Gardner and all them and Big Brother Jack who lives just south of there grew up with all that wonderful airplane noise but uh, yeah I can see where he could have gotten parts because <laughs> yeah Lefty had a couple airplanes in a storage crates because after the war i mean you could get a fighter plane fueled mm-hmm. up and everything no guns but you could get it for about 1500 bucks two grand yeah that's a deal and there were i think he got that one from uh an airplane graveyard i guess in arizona oh out, yeah out in pima out uh-huh. there at the uh, boneyard yeah he'd he'd originally gone to work for lockheed martin as oh. an engineer before the war happened really yes and he came back after the war. He um, was in the Battle of the Bulge, and uh, wow, he was walking behind a tank, and a mortar fell mm. on him, and he woke up to you know a German soldier prodding him mm. with a bayonet, and he said they took their shoes, and then they took them to the prison camp, which was Stalag 12A. Wow! And he said that he died there that day, but he was rescued and resuscitated. And he came back to San Antonio and spent, I think, four to six months somewhere around there recovering in the hospital before coming back here and taking over the family business. So Wow, that is quite an ordeal. Yeah, he was a really, really interesting man. Smartest person I've ever known. And he worked at Lockheed. Uh, did he ever mention the name Kelly Johnson? I don't know. I wish he was here so many times. There's so many questions I'd love to ask him. Oh, I've got questions. (laughs) And, you know, we were lucky because we grew up surrounded by fun things to do, running Mm -hmm. around outside. But also, they were huge readers. They had thousands of books, books on every subject. So my my grandmother had been a special needs teacher as Mm -hmm. well. And in their house, they just had walls of shelves full of books. And I remember in high school... I was doing my homework there one day after school, and it was geometry, and I hated geometry. To me, it wasn't any fun. Mm. <laughs> and I looked at my grandpa, and I said, can, can you help me with this question? And he goes, sure, what is it? And so I, I showed him what I was working on, and he gets up, and he goes to one of the walls of books, and he picks this you know, three-inch thick old book off the shelf, 
flips through it for about 10 seconds and goes, here you go. Here's your answer. And I remember taking the book and going, uh, thanks? Okay. <laughs> there's the formula. There's the graph. There's it was, the it was lines. charts and lines and, you know, explanations that I didn't quite understand. And, you know, I obviously figured it out later, but I'll never forget how great it was just to have that image of him going to his wall of books because he knew exactly what to look for and he knew exactly where to find the answer. Just a brilliant, brilliant person. Yeah, I was about to say it's that's that's blowing my mind because I look at geometry stuff and it looks like hieroglyphics to me. And to him, it probably looked like you know uh, the ABCs and one two threes. It must have been. And the easiest way for me that I learned geometry was pool. Oddly, <laughs> a hustler, a pool hustler. <laughs> she learned accounting and geometry from pool. No. <laughs> well, you know it is all angles, so. You gotta have an angle on something. What's the angle? Yep. We're gonna find out. And so you finished up down here in the valley and then you trekked north, did you not? I graduated high school from Med High and then I went to work at um, Jones Galligan Key in Losano in Waslaco. Awesome. And at the same time, I was getting my basics done at UT Pan Am, which mm-hmm. is now UT RGB. Mm-hmm. And once I finished my basics in about a year, I kind of decided you know what I'm not sure what I want to do and I don't want to spend my time or my money on something that I'm not 100% certain of Mm, so I moved to Austin and got three jobs made ends meet learned a lot and after a few years decided okay you know what I'm ready to go back and I applied to Texas State got in and fell in love loved the campus loved the school I had been uh, physical therapy major and decided that I loved it, but I took a communication course as part of the curriculum there, their core program, and just decided that was it for me. I got goosebumps in my first class and went, okay, I'm going to do this. I have no idea how this is going to work out, but I need to do this. And I went immediately after class and changed my major and graduated 2010 with my bachelor's um, from Texas State and loved it, and then decided, hmm, okay, now what? Yeah, I was about to say, now you got the <laughs> you got the piece of paper. Now, what are we going to do with it? That summer, um, my grandfather died, unfortunately, and I came back to visit my grandmother about a month after he'd passed. So it was in July because he passed in June, and I found her, you know, in a little corner under one of her olive trees, and she was crying. And I just said, Oh my God, what what's wrong? And she says, I can't leave here. This is the house he built for me mm-hmm. and our home. And our, this is my life. And I said, well, I'll move back in with you. I'll take care of the farm and I'll I'll take care of everything. I'll get a job and, you know, we'll be okay. And she said, okay. And <laughs> that's, that's simple. That was that simple. And uh, I moved back and got a job teaching in Mercedes, which was amazing. I was very lucky and had a great time. My grandmother and I were just palling around and enjoying life, and Mark decided that he was going to try to date me. So, um, yes, yeah. Then, then, and then uh, it happened. Yeah, and then <laughs> enter the dragon. Enter, <laughs> enter Mark Payne, the, uh, the honcho of PayneAutoGroup.com, the mad, the mad scientist. Well, the not-so-mad scientist. 
There is a method to his madness. Yeah, he's not totally the Mad Hatter. He's, well, I don't know. Mad Hatter and March Hare, which one's... <laughs> which which one's uh, which one's Mark and which one's Austin? The world will never know. So so Marcus, I, I call him Marcus Magnanimous. Uh, so Mark Mark, he enters uh, the realm. Yes, and um, kind of just uh, didn't go away. Wouldn't take no for an answer, and. You know, we'd been friends for a long time <laughs> Sounds before. Familiar. Sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah. We, uh, we'd we been friends for a long time, mm-hmm. but had never really dated. You know, I was off doing my thing, and, you know, he was off doing his thing. And we both swore we'd never come back to the valley. And, well, be careful what you swear. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Here we are. And it was the best decision either one of us have made. So here we are ten years later. And oh. it feels like a blink. Uh, yeah, that's no joke. Yeah, we were just uh, talking about y'all's nuptials and your, y'all's ceremony and, <laughs> and how y'all wanted something small, but everybody wanted something kind of, it wasn't, well, it was, it was so fitting. It was fitting. It was oh, wonderful. I'm glad you felt that way. Yes. We, we really had a good time. I'm we glad we had the invite. It, it was, it was fun. Bar was great. Food was awesome. <laughs> Company was really awesome. We had a good time, but yeah, we, we really just wanted something simple. And it it kind of got out of hand, I think, as, as <laughs> weddings go. <laughs> but it still was a good time. Yeah. And we had all the people there that we really just enjoyed and hoped everybody had a great time, too. And that's what a wedding's supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. And now that you not only share the family name, you're also involved in the family business. I know. And Funny how that works out. Yeah, it, it, it happens. You know, it kind of happened with me a little bit. But uh, I wasn't—I wasn't in marketing before all this stuff happened. I just <laughs> met this gal, and all of a sudden, boom! Here I am. But uh, isn't that funny how love works? Yes, it is. <laughs> it has. <laughs> yes, <laughs> funny, ha ha. Yeah, uh, a, a roller coaster, a roller coaster of life and life happening. And here we are with—we have Pain Auto Group, and now a branch of it is Pain Insurance Group because. Like you said, you got that nice new shiny thing. You got to make sure it's taken care of. And so y'all are doing uh, auto, home, and commercial. Yes. Correct? Okay. Yeah, I got that going on here. And now some people go and they they see, you know, a business card of somebody from Brand X Insurance Agency. And they're an agent. uh, Because y'all are are in-house here with pain and... Mm -hmm. You're not just at the mothership in Westlaco. Y'all are available at basically every major dealership, correct? Yes, that is correct. So what kind of agency would that be or agents? Would, you know? So our model is really different from your traditional insurance agent. We're not Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Um, we are on dealership time. So we're Monday through Saturday from wow. 9 to 8 and then on Saturdays, you know, 9 to 7. But typically people are here after closing hours and we still are too the chances are that you know if you got into an accident on saturday at five o'clock well hey we're still here Mm -hmm. you can call us and we can help give you a a step-by-step guide of what you need to do and how we can help support you through the claim process and what coverages you have and how we can help awesome awesome and uh 
you know, people don't just walk in and say, this is what I need. You actually walk them through the process of, you know, this is what it is. And of course, those who have bought a vehicle or legally drive a vehicle in Texas, you do have to have a valid driver's license. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, a mailing address, that's always good. But also, uh, because this is by law. This is state guidelines, federal guidelines, and regulations, yes. and all that kind of stuff. But you have to have it by yeah. law. You've got to have it. And, you know, if you've got a matricula, we can work with that as well. Mm-hmm. If you've got an ID, we can work with that, too. It just depends on the carrier. And so wow. we are an independent agency. So we've got multiple different carriers that we work with. And the goal here is to educate you on, A, what you need in mm-hmm. terms of coverage, and then, B, what you're buying. Because yeah. a lot of times you you know what you're buying when you buy a car. Yeah, you know it's going to have a motor, and you hope it's going to have AC because we live mm-hmm. in the valley and it's oh, yeah. hot. But nobody really knows what coverages look like. Nobody knows what they mean. So you say you have to have it, and you go, okay, well, what's the cheapest thing out there? We go, okay, well, let's take a step back and realize it's not just about price. This is about value. Mm-hmm. And so when Mark and Austin created the dealership model that we've got now for the insurance side of things. It was October 2015. I had graduated from my master's and we went, this is a whole sector of the auto industry that we don't have. And that's how the insurance agency was born. And we've just grown and developed over time. And there is not a model out there that looks like ours does because the closest that they had was the Allstate model where you would if you'd go into some other dealer groups, they have an all-state person inside their, mm-hmm. their store. But that's a captive agent, mm-hmm. and they're not um, owned by the same people. They're totally different companies, so it's kind of like a partnership. But They're like a hired gun that's in-house. Yes, and yeah. all, they, all they offer is an all-state product, which it is a great product, mm-hmm. but it may not be a perfect product for everyone. Yeah, depending on... Uh, what you're doing with the vehicle Mm -hmm. and uh and also we're on not just a state border we're on an international border so y'all have your work cut out for you especially with the commercial side which i do want to get into later because we're once again we're at edinburgh chrysler dodge jeep ram and our commercial and fleet stuff not just here but in the group is taken off and that's that's something big especially going into the big business and uh, (laughs) we live we live the big business but when it comes down to somebody walking in uh much like uh, we were, we, we talked about it before. Was there's certain things we learn in school? There's certain things we learn from our folks, but some of the things we're not taught uh, is like how to do our taxes, but also how to buy insurance. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's purpose, it's it's value, the mm-hmm. added value, and, and all those particulars. So when it comes down to insurance, um, there's certain terms that uh, I had to learn exactly what they meant here in a little bit, and it really helped me in just a few moments. But when somebody buys an automobile and the uh, advantages, they're not just cast to the wind of, go find insurance somewhere and get back to us, back to us, back to us. <laughs> it's the fact of y'all are in-house, and when they come up and let's say they do it, like it used to be a traditional sedan, but now it's, let's say, a crossover SUV, and let's say it's uh, just a young couple starting out, what kind of, like, Walk me through a little bit of the process here of, hey, this is the car we want, and we we're renting right now, and we're in an apartment, and we have this vehicle. What kind of insurance should we have? Awesome. And 
this is a really good example to use because it's again it's something really common um a, we can write you a renter's policy mm-hmm. and that can be tied to like progressive does a really good job with that tied in with your auto insurance policy okay so that's an add-on coverage that we can talk to you about in that moment but you know if there's going to be two of you you live together you're both going to be driving the car you both need to be listed on the policy as included drivers okay. so that Whoever drives the car, if they get into an accident, they're going to be covered. Yeah, it's not just ownership, it's operation of the vehicle. Yes, and that goes into another concept that I really feel like people should know about, but they don't, because nobody tells you until you learn the hard way. But um, insurable interest is one of these big points that I really wish people would really drive home when they talk about insurance is, who has a stake in this car? So if you go and you buy a car and you get a bank to approve you to loan you the money to purchase this car, well, that means the bank's got a stake in it. Mm-hmm. You've got a stake in it. Um, and anybody else that co-signs on that deal, well, they've got a stake in that car. So yeah. they need to be either included or excluded on that insurance policy to protect not only the vehicle, but the loan for the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go in and you pay cash for a car, say you buy something, you know, you've saved and you've got, I've got $10,000 and I'm going to buy just a little commuter thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, that might be from a long time ago, but for easy numbers, we'll use 10,000. So you come in and you put cash on a $10,000 car and you drive off with it. If you've paid cash for that, you don't have a bank. You Mm -hmm. don't have a lender. You don't have a co-signer. So that car is yours. Yeah. You bought it. You, you took the risk of buying Mm -hmm. that automobile outright. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't necessarily need by law to have what's considered full coverage, which means you have comprehensive and collision coverage, you would have liability. And liability means that the other vehicle Mm -hmm. would be taken care of per state limits, but your car would not. So that's a choice that you need to make of going, okay, even though this is only a $10,000 car, it's still a good chunk of change. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not gonna cost a whole lot to repair it, or they might total it out, I still think it's a really, really smart idea to have full coverage on that because what if it's only like $4,000 worth of damage to that car? It's not enough to total it out, but it's still a lot. Well, do you want to take that $10,000 loss or do you want to pay a little bit every month to make sure that that $4,000 could be covered in the event of an accident? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it, it comes down to who's got a stake in this car? You know, if you buy this car but your mom co-signs with you, you can't pay. Well, that's what the co-signer is there for. Yeah. The, then the bank is going to go after that person who's your co-signer to say, hey, you said you would pay in the event that this person couldn't, so they can't. Now you need to pay. So that's why your co-signer needs to be included or excluded on the policy. Okay. And we say excluded, meaning that if they co-sign with you and you're the only one driving that car, well, they don't need to be included because they're not driving it but yeah. they need to be listed on there because they have insurable interest on that vehicle. yes that okay. makes sense yeah i got you cool i got you everybody with us so far <laughs> i'm in class man it's always good uh, learning uh new stuff i and was a teacher so i can't really turn it off when i get into an explanation say, sorry <laughs> oh, man. romper rooms in session oh man i'm really dating myself now <laughs> What's a romper room? One, you know, for those out there who are of the younger crowd listening, one day somebody's going to go, what's a SpongeBob? And you're going to clutch your pearls and go, oh, my God, how can you say that? Oh, no. Oh, no. So that uh, that common thing of, you know, 
two folks freshly married, renting and whatnot, and, th and that's how we, we cover their vehicle, their little crossover vehicle. Now, uh, you said they have uh, state and federal guidelines, and uh, sometimes those things are fluid. Well, state guide. So every state has their own set of limits mm -hmm. per policy. So, like Louisiana's numbers are going to be different than Texas. Yeah. So, in Texas, your basic insurance coverage limits go thirty thousand, sixty thousand, twenty-five thousand. Okay. So that's where the term thirty, sixty, twenty-five comes from. Okay. So the thirty thousand means you get thirty thousand dollars per person in the accident, and that is the limit that they mm -hmm. will pay. Then there is a $60,000 per accident, like total. They mm -hmm. will not pay more than 60000 in the event that there is an accident. Mm -hmm. And then there's $25,000 worth of property damage coverage. Okay. So that's the limit that you get. So if, you know, someone in a Grand Wagoneer hits someone in a G-Wagon, is mm -hmm. that going to be $25,000 oh, worth Lord. of damage? Yeah, Mercedes G-Wagon, not uh, not your average puddle jumper. Not your average puddle jumper. But even um, a Ford F-150 and a Dodge 1500, if they mm -hmm. got into an accident, those are still very nice vehicles. They're still very expensive. Yeah, but and they're both matched as half-ton trucks. Exactly. So it's like almost the same thing hitting each other. Exactly. Or even if it's a little car hitting a big car, you know, yeah. like a Ford Focus, you know, gets rear-ended by a you know, Buick lacrosse yeah. you know those are still pretty one's a big size car versus mm -hmm. a smaller compact car so the the damage amounts kind of go based on the value of the vehicle as well you know like the more expensive car the more expensive the repair is going to be okay so and when you when you have these limits these are your basic bottom like minimum coverage limits the 30 60 25 now those limits and options go up Mm -hmm. So, you know, for instance, if I was going to buy a hundred thousand dollar vehicle, then I would want to say, okay, I need at least like one hundred, three hundred, one hundred thousand in mm -hmm. coverages. So, a hundred thousand dollars per person, you know, three hundred thousand dollars per accident. And as you go up in coverage amounts, then you're going to go up in premium, which is the price that you pay for insurance over a six month or a year long policy, depending on what you choose. So that's what a premium is. That's like the maximum amount of money you're going to pay for that policy in a six month span. Or a one month or a one month or a three month or a six month or a one year policy. It just depends. That's like the cap for that. Mm -hmm. that okay. Yeah. Premium. What is it going to cost me for the whole term? Okay. It'll cost you. Uh, $1,000 for six months on this one vehicle with these two drivers. Okay. And keep in mind, your motor vehicle record, your MVR, mm -hmm. is what follows you. So mm -hmm. if you get any accidents or any tickets or any claims, it'll stay on your motor vehicle record for about five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and the more, more fender benders and accidents you have, <laughs> the more of a risk you are yes. on the road, which yeah. means those prices also will go Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And yeah, even if it out. wasn't your fault, yep. it might still show up on there. Yeah. So <laughs> you're an accident magnet. <laughs> yeah, I would tell you be very careful when you're driving. Yeah. Because it, you know, it, it's a risk every every day that we take when we get in our vehicle and we go somewhere, especially right now with all the construction in our area. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, we talked. You talked about uh, like property. Like if mm -hmm. somebody, it's not just cars in the street, but. Like if uh, somebody sideswiped another vehicle and ends up going through somebody's picket fence and hits the old exactly. oak tree. Exactly. 
So there's going to be limits specified in there under what property damage means and what that looks like. But yes, that's a perfect example. Somebody smacks you and you smack somebody else or you run into a stop sign because someone rear-ended you and you were turning and then put the stop sign down. Yeah. Things like that. So that's why it's really important to understand what your limits mean and what coverages you're getting. So that leads us into one of the biggest things is what's the difference between full coverage and liability. Yeah, that's 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 one that's one thing I always wondered. And like I said, they don't teach us stuff in school. No, but, you think they would. But right? school's in session now. <laughs> you you have my attention. Great. So let's talk a little bit about what full coverage is. Full coverage is a generic term that got created to shorten the description of comprehensive and collision coverages okay so people think full coverage okay so comprehensive you know and collision you know something falls on you that goes under you know like did something collide with you you okay and comprehensive did something fall on you You so there's a lot of little things that go into this but the the main overall thing is that full coverage does not mean everything is covered and protected no it means you have comprehensive and collision because okay. the difference between a tree falling on your car and smashing it is a different risk versus driving a vehicle and then two people smashing each other into their vehicles. Fender okay. benders, side swipes, mm-hmm. T-bones, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Those are different parts of it. So that's what comprehensive and collision is for. The liability only covers the other vehicle, yeah. like we talked about that earlier. That means if, if, vehicle, if the driver of vehicle A has liability and they hit vehicle B, they, their coverage will cover the repairs to for, ve- yes. for vehicle B. Yes, vehicle, not vehicle A. Yeah, vehicle A. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. This exactly. is why this one of the one of the and liability is like the like the lowest tier of That will still have the 30 60 25 limit. Mm-hmm. That's the lowest. And that's the that's the least legal insurance you can have. Yes. To in the state. A, in the state of Texas to operate a motor vehicle. Yes. So like Louisiana will have different limits. They're actually a little bit lower than the state of Texas. So if someone from Louisiana comes over to Texas and they get into an accident with someone, well, their limits will pay out less than mm-hmm. what Texas will. So if it doesn't cover that damage, then you may have to claim the rest of that on your own insurance policy or try to get them to pay out of pocket. <laughs> And that's where a lot of, you know, lawsuits and things come into play and kind of creates more higher risk and rate for that area. And frustration. Yes. It's like, I need this fender replaced and they gave me two alligator bags, you know. (laughs) It's like, this ain't working. They got those in their backyard. That ain't fair. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But uh, So it's really important to understand what you're buying every month, you know, and, and it it is expensive, especially when you're buying a car on top of it and you're going, I love this big, shiny, beautiful car, mm-hmm. but it is going to be expensive to insure it. You know, yeah. you, you talk about getting a Ford Focus versus getting a Hellcat. Oh, yeah. Well, the insurance is going to be really different oh, on those yeah. cars because you're going to be rated differently. Mm-hmm. A Camaro versus a Fiesta. Yeah. Totally different. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, and drivers, my folks used to say, well, you're, when I was on their insurance years ago, well, you're under 25 and you're a, you're a man, you know, you're a, you're a boy. And that means, you know, your, your stuff is higher, you know, (laughs) and I'm sitting there going, but I drive a two liter, one quarter ton truck with a stick shift. Uh, I, it's like, I know back in my day, gasoline (laughs) cost 88 cents a gallon my senior year. Everybody's out there going, oh my God. Yes. I remember when it was 88 cents a gallon gallon and wow and i mowed the lawn and i got paid for that because it was a big lot and that we were on and i wasn't a lead foot 
And plus, that little truck would not do it. It just wouldn't. But, you know, that's the difference between, you know, but, driving. But it's all on averages and whatnot. It is. It, mm-hmm. it is all on averages. So, you know, you drive a, a big, beautiful 6.4 V8 Hemi engine. And, oh, yeah. Oh, man, it sounds wonderful. Yes. And all of that torque, it's just fantastic. Yes. But then you watch your MPG go down every time yeah. you rev that engine. Yeah, you feel it at the pump. You sure do. The tachometer goes up, fuel gauge goes down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. But, oh, it's so much fun. It, it, so, it is. It's nice. It is. So understanding that that risk is mm-hmm. going, okay, well, yeah, I could insure that engine and that vehicle that it's in, and it's going to cost me a little bit more, not only just in insurance but in gas. Yeah. And then repairs is going to cost you a little bit more because, mm-hmm. you know, it's bigger. Yeah, more complex the vehicle. And that's the thing, you, you and your agents – you walk the customer through this to go, yes. this is, here's the options, and this is what you're getting into. That way there's no surprises. Yeah, no one really likes surprises when no. you're buying a big vehicle and you're making an investment like this. Mm-hmm. So let's, our job here at the Pain Insurance Group is to protect you and to let you know what you need and how we can help find you the right carrier for your needs so Mm -hmm. we we call it matchmaking in a lot of ways because it is kind of a true thing i mean if you just need a month's worth of coverage because you're going to add it to another you know your home policy later Mm -hmm. but your agent's out for the night or whatever the day um we can write you a one month policy sure but is that going to be the best fit for you yeah my, my folks did that for me when I went to the Army in California. They put me on their insurance for about a month or two, mm-hmm. and I had that 74 bug. And then I found a carrier out there in mm-hmm. California that did it. So mm-hmm. that, that, that helped me out a lot. Just, just yep. in the, It was a great stopgap. Yes. So, and just I'd forgotten about that until you just mentioned it. I was like, wow, I mm-hmm. remember that happening. There are carriers that have no problems offering that kind of flexibility. And so that's one of the great things about being an independent agency like we are. We have many carrier partners that we work with, and we learn what all of their underwriting guidelines and rules and kind of like their wish list. Yeah. Who do they yeah, like? Yeah, you have a pool. You have a whole we pool. We do. Yeah. We do. So we work with all, a lot of the top carriers and we work with standard and non-standard carriers. What's, so, the, what's the difference between a standard and non-standard carrier? Not a whole lot. But the standard carriers are typically ones like Progressive and Farmers and Travelers and Allstate and Germania and all of those. And then there's non-standard carriers that are Dairyland and Alinsco and Pronto. And they're all amazing companies. They all offer the same product. But the ways that they offer their product are going to vary a little bit. Okay. So um, like Dairyland and Pronto offer one-month policies that are really competitive in price. Progressive and Allstate and Liberty Mutual and Nationwide, they don't really like the one-month options. Mm-hmm. They would prefer six-month options. Yeah, they want a long haul. They yeah, want a long you. haul. So if, think of it like, are you going to date this carrier or are you going to marry this yeah, carrier? You. So you might start with a non-standard carrier and graduate into a standard carrier as you move up through uh, life. So if you turn 18, you buy your first car and... A non-standard carrier is the most competitive price for you with the coverages that you need. Okay. Then say five or six years down the road, you buy a house. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, you know what? Let's get you with a carrier that will bundle your auto mm. and your home. And that's probably going to look like a standard carrier because standard carriers really like to have a lot more risk spread out over different lines of insurance like auto and home. Say you have another two or three years go by, not only do you have two cars now and a home, but you buy an RV 
or you buy a boat or an ATV. So um, a great carrier for those kinds of lines is Progressive. So Progressive really likes to spread out their risk. And when you have several different lines with one carrier, they tend to give you discounts. So it lowers your rate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I like, I like that word, discount. Everybody discount, does. Discount, rebates, and incentives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've said those words a few times on the radio. I have heard it. It sounds great. So, so a standard carrier like that, when, when you start amassing more assets, they can bundle it. And also, mm-hmm. you can tailor-made, tailor-make it yes. to your to your budget. Because, yes. after all, we're all on a budget. I don't care if you hit the Powerball lotto. Yep, you still have taxes, and you still have bills every month, and mm-hmm. they keep coming because that's what happens in adulthood. Yeah, life. What did you What did you call it? This uh, our trial period the of free trial period. The, real tri- <laughs> the free trial period of adulthood. <laughs> and I, what did I say? It was like a in that AOL America Online disc that keeps it coming. Just keeps coming. Yeah, it's like, I got like umpteen hundred minutes online. People under thirty are like, "What are you talking about?" It's like. The days of dial-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like what? It's like yeah. nobody knows what that sound is Mm-mm. anymore. Same with fax machines. What? Yeah, what's a fax machine? No, I'm just kidding. We have fax machines. We got a, <laughs> a facsimile. I remember if you ever want. What's that movie? Um, Hello, Clarice. Oh, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> they actually show an old school fax machine, and it takes forever just to get that paper out. But. uh Oh, they need to use the room? No, we're good. Okay, cool. Uh, what are we at? We're talking about fax machines. Yeah, we're talking. Okay, so, yeah, old school technology. And uh, now you said something about standard and non-standard, and you mentioned one carrier that I've seen down here, and that is Pronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pronto is both for not just uh, our side of the Rio Grande, but you said, uh, you mentioned in passing uh, when we got in here that it was actually, it goes into the international borders of Mexico for people that travel to and fro for business. Yeah, so depending on the carrier, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I use Pronto because Pronto is a great example of this. Pronto was created in the 90s, so they're local, they're Valley people. They've awesome. been here for you know 20 plus years. They really understand our demographic and they offer some really competitive rates. But also because of where we live, you know, everybody goes across the border every now and because it's right here. That's just, oh, yeah. that's just where we live. So Pronto's guidelines say you can go up and back into Mexico twice a month every month nice. up to 25 miles and still have coverage 25 miles below the border yes into wow. mexico into mexico but on yeah. mile 26 yep or like you know that like one foot after mile 25 mm-hmm. you're not covered so you have this this limit of radius and you have the number of times that you can go that you'll be covered so if you go four or five times a week mm-hmm. that's probably not going to be a good fit for you yeah. because you'll you'll be exceeding the number of times that you can go but that's why we tell you mm-hmm. this is what this carrier is going to allow. This is what they will not allow. If you need coverage like that, well, okay, we've got an option for that too. We have Mexipass as a carrier, so we can write you a month if you're going to be going three or four times a week for work or something. And or you know, if if you needed to spend um, an extended period, an extended down? period, we can write you that. But you know, Six usually about a month yeah. at a time. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. And that's Mexipass. Mexipass. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so we've got options, and we'll tell you everything you need to know about it, what the limits are, what this will cover, 
what it will not cover so that you know what you're what you're paying for and that's one of the things that I really wish more people would know more about is we we pay for insurance but we don't know what it covers and we don't know what what it is really we know we have to have it by law mm-hmm. but nobody really knows what it is until you get into an accident and you need it mm. and you go wait a minute well how come nobody told me this yeah well how come it's not common knowledge i don't know and the last thing you want is what do you mean it doesn't cover that exactly mm. and we get that a lot of times and so we try to tell people when they first come to us when they're when we're quoting we're going okay look it's not just about the cheapest price this is about the coverages that you need. So mm-hmm. how are you going to be using this vehicle? Where are you going to be using this vehicle? If you're going to go out of state for more than 30 days, the carrier that you're with may not cover you beyond 30 days. Some yeah. carriers will extend it to 90 days. But if you go upstate or out of state and you work for three or four months and then you come back here and you get into an accident in your fourth month, you may not be covered because you've been out of the state for more than 30 or 60 or 90 days. It depends on the carrier. They all have different rules. And what about, uh, I know in Texas we have big counties, like from county to county. Mm-hmm. Like let's say uh, Big Brother Jack, I have a, a vehicle, a spare vehicle, and he needs it uh, for a time while his vehicle's in the shop. And let's say it's going to be a while because it's some wild part that's you know made out of, you know, they got a, it's made out of uh, Captain America's uh, unobtainium, and he, he's got to drive it for a couple of months. I mean, his his uh, if he's in a different county, that's going to affect the rate, does it not? It absolutely could. And so in that instance, I would suggest that that person be added to mm-hmm. the other person's policy. If you're going to be driving it every day yeah. for two or three months, you know, just in the event mm-hmm. that something happens, you want to be sure that that vehicle is taken care of yeah, and that you know, you're okay in it. So I, again, these are things and questions that we're here to answer and that we're here to help with so that when something does happen, we're a resource for you that can give you the guidelines that can tell you how to get through this process. And the other great thing about being a pain customer is, you know, we've got the body shop too. So, Oh yeah. Pain collision. We do have a pain collision center. We've just opened up a new body shop as well. So we've got two body shops now. And all the parts that we use, you know, they're manufacturer parts. We've got certified techs and people. So they're, this car is going to be taken care of to the best of our ability with our people and the pain promise. Awesome. That's great. Um, now, you mentioned before, oh, there is something. We talked about a premium. What is, and this is the, the D word, what is a deductible? Oh, good question. So the, the deductible is the amount of a covered loss that you pay out of your pocket in the event of an accident. So um, most people tend to go with a $500 deductible, Mm -hmm. and that's just the easiest way to think about it. You can, depending on the carrier, you can choose a $250 deductible, a $500 deductible, $750, or $1,000. We say $500 is average because it's easier to come up with $500 versus $1,000. And the higher deductible that you have the less money that you will pay per month because you're assuming more More of the risk. risk. So we say 500 because it's a pretty average number. Pretty easy, relatively easy Mm -hmm. to come up with that chunk of change. And this is all all averaged out on the average net income and whatnot Mm -hmm. of everybody. And so the deductible itself is, if I say, yeah, it's 500, that means, okay, you're in an accident. We're going to get this taken care of. Now you've got a, you've got a front $500 out Mm -hmm. of pocket to us. And then 
you know, to the carrier. Yeah, to yeah. the carrier, and then the magic happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, does that, let's say, the repair on the vehicle, does that go toward the principle of the repair? Or that goes to the total amount that it okay. costs to repair the vehicle. So it's just a deductible is an amount of money to get the ball rolling on the process is basically it. It's your what you pay. Yeah, what, you yeah, pay what, 500 and the mm-hmm. insurance company takes care of everything else. So yeah. the, the amount of risk and yeah. that you're taking on, yours is going to be smaller than what the insurance company is okay. going to pay. So you're paying for them to take on the lion's share of the damage amount that that could cost versus what you're going to pay. So the the benefit of having a higher deductible is you might have a lower monthly payment, mm-hmm. but you're going to pay for more out of your pocket. Yeah. So 500 is a, a good average number. And again, every carrier will have their own recommendation for what they think. Everybody says 500 as an average, just because mm-hmm. law of large numbers works out that way. Um, but again, if you say you just need the lower payment and you want a higher deductible, okay, keep in mind that in the event of an accident, you are responsible for coming up with that thousand dollars. So just know that in your mind that however that's going to get paid, whether that gets paid to the body shop and the body shop turns that into the carrier, or Mm -hmm. you have to write that directly to the carrier or the carrier puts that into the total amount that they're going to give to the body shop. So minus a thousand dollars, that's up to the carrier. Okay. So that's why we can't make these statements of like, yeah, it's all going to be this way. Yeah, it depends. It's a case by case basis. basis. Okay, especially if somebody just has one vehicle, like our newlywed couple with a crossover, versus somebody with a family of five with uh, two cars, an RV, mm-hmm. a boat, an ATV, mm-hmm. and then a, a barn dominium. Totally possible. Oh, barn dominium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, love, I mean, even food trucks. That. Oh yeah, I was about to say because that's business related. And, and that and that actually goes into what I was going to ask about when it comes to using an automobile, using a car to go into and from your job. What if that vehicle is your job? Like, and that needs to be on a commercial auto yes. policy. Okay. Because if you are using your car for business purposes, like your advertising, you've got your logos and your decals on there, your phone number, all these things like the Payne Street team, oh, that's yeah. a commercial auto. Mm-hmm. So that needs to be on a commercial auto policy yep. because for some carriers, actually most carriers, and again, this is every carrier is different. They've mm-hmm. got a different set of guidelines and rules, but a lot of them share the same things. And in this case, how you use the vehicle mm-hmm. is going to be really, really important for how they rate you. Yeah. If you're using this for work purposes and you're advertising on it, your business, all these things, that needs to be a commercial auto use. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, well, why can't all of my vehicles be put on a commercial auto policy if I'm using it to get to and from work? Well, no, that's a whole, that's a different side of things. Like my car, I use to get to work every day. I'm not advertising on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got my name on it cause I'm a pain, but <laughs> that's, you know, that's not something I can that's, help. That's on the license plate border and that's the badge. It is on my car. That, that's our little, that's our way of advertising. <laughs> So, but if I had a, a, a pastry business mm. and I decided to put my pastry business logo, decal, and phone number on there, well, then I'm advertising on that vehicle and I'm using it for business use. Oh, yeah. So that's the difference. If you have a logo on there, phone number, design, an email address, and it's not listed as a commercial auto policy and you get into an accident, well, they could technically deny your claim because you are not using that vehicle for personal use. You're using it for business purposes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of carriers will tell you, no, no, no. 
If you're going to be using this vehicle to advertise for your business, you should not have a personal auto. This should be commercial. And that's where we come in, where we tell you, all of my agents and all of my staff, everyone on my staff is licensed. We say, okay, how are you going to use this vehicle? Mm -hmm. Who is going to be using this vehicle? So we have to talk to you about what your needs are so that we can make sure that you are covered and protected to the best of your ability and our ability. So the more we tell our carriers, the more we understand what our carriers need, the better fit we can make for you. I got you. And much like uh, with our commercial and fleet, like we have the uh, mm-hmm. Dodge, uh, Dodge Ram. That's how old school I am. I still, some people still say Dodge Ram, and I do. Um, <laughs> I remember when they actually had the Ram hood ornament on there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And um, let's say they have their, um, let's see, with Ram, let's see. ProMaster. There we go, the ProMaster series. Hey, folks, trust me, I, I'm trying to remember the names of some of this stuff. We have we have Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, SRT, Alfa Romeo, Fiat, Ford, Chevy, Buicks, GMC, Alf, and uh, Volkswagen and Mitsubishi. I'm trying to remember all the wonderful names of what we carry with <laughs> Payne Auto Group Valley Wide. But let's say uh, Ram ProMaster, and also we have uh, uh, Ford with their... Uh, I wasn't about to say Express. Well, that's the Chevy yeah, Express van. Chevy Express but, van. But, but let's say they have their contractor vehicle. Transit. And, yeah. Tra- tra- thank you, Transit. I know Ra- Raul and Ivan are going, what's wrong with you right now? <laughs> Shout out to uh, Raul and Ivan with our Ford shops. But, um, yeah, if somebody has their uh, their Transit Connect, their Transit and their ProMaster series, and let's say they're doing uh, HVAC and plumbing. They have all their, their tooling in, in there. And mm-hmm. let's say they also have to pull a trailer with it, you know, like electricians. Yeah. Uh, somebody has a contractor vehicle and uh, they're doing HVAC plumbing. Uh, what's that? Edible arrangements? Absolutely. Florist shops. Yeah, all that. And Dry that, cleaning. And that, Yes. And, and they're delivering stuff, dropping mm-hmm. stuff off. And, and let's say they're pulling a trailer. And you said it's a case-by-case basis. So they can yep. you can tailor make their... A deal for it. What about people with CDLs like Hot Shots? That's one thing. Absolutely. We're, we're dealing a lot with uh, oil fields here in Texas, and people get their three-quarter ton or one-ton truck. They got their gooseneck, mm-hmm. and they're hauling anything from parts to flammables and explosives and yep. all that kind of stuff, and y'all can handle that too? Yes. Cool. I'm just – because I see guys with that flammable and explosive sign, and I pass them pretty dang quick. <laughs> it's like if – they go one way, I'm going the other way. I'm just yeah. And people tell you slow down, kind of mm. give them their space. Yeah, it's like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> yeah, you you kind of want to try to give them a wide berth if you can, but also you want to know that those people have insurance coverage <laughs> in the event that something happens. It flips over. I mean, we've all seen the accidents, yeah. and nobody really thinks about the fallout after after everything's all said and done after they've put the fire out and everybody's. Yeah gone to the hospital and they're okay and now okay now what happens yes well that's when insurance kicks in and you go okay how do we pay for all of these damages and coverages and who all was involved and who's going to get what and how bad is this going to be yeah and the attitude of that is normal and the great thing about insurance is that that's what it's there for it's there for those times when something bad has happened and Mm -hmm. you're wondering how are we going to how are we going to deal with this what are we going to do well, in our instance, you could call us and we could tell you, okay, are you, is anyone hurt? Are y'all all right? Okay, then this is what you're going to need to do. Here's step number one, step number two, step number three. Here is what you're going to need to give them. 
Did you do X, Y, and Z? Did you get the police report? Okay, great. Now, they're not going to want to talk to me because I'm the agent. They're going to want to talk to you, and that's the carrier and your claims adjuster. So in the event that, and we've had instances where customers have had an accident and we've helped them get their claim established and then two weeks go by and they call us and they go I can't get a hold of my claim adjuster and I don't know where I am on my claim what's happening and that's where we go okay let me call my rep let me follow up and let me see what I can find out and go from there and there's been times when I've been able to expedite a claim because I've called the carrier and said hey what's going on with this my customer has tried to get in touch with their claims adjuster and they haven't been returning their phone calls and in one instance, we had the claims adjuster was out sick mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks, and that's why they weren't returning the calls. And the carrier at that point had been short-staffed during the pandemic, and mm-hmm. so it was just taking a little bit longer to get everything done. And so I was able to expedite that claim, and we got that customer's issue resolved in two days, which was great because they'd been waiting like three weeks. Wow. Yeah. So that's the other benefit of having the relationship with the carriers that we have. So as independent agents, we build our relationships with our carrier partners, you know, like um, our rep with Progressive, our reps with Germania, our reps with Travelers. You know, we, we build these relationships because, A, it makes it easier for the carrier and for me and for the customer. So if I know what my carrier wants, matching the right person with that carrier means it's going to be a lot easier in the future when we have to um, resolve anything because we've already done the legwork. We know this carrier likes uh, people older than 25 but younger than 70. Mm -hmm. You know, this carrier really likes, you know, the younger crowd. Mm -hmm. They have competitive rates for that. So we'll put them in those areas. And then by developing the relationship with our reps, we stay on top of any new changes that the carrier makes to its underwriting guidelines, which are the rules for how that carrier operates and what they like and what they don't like. So we always know what's going on. And so it, it, it makes it easy for us to reach out and go, hey, carrier, we have an issue. Can you help? And they say, yeah, absolutely. This is what we can do. Let's help you. So it just makes it easier on everybody. And if somebody's out of area and let's say up north, like a, a college student, Mm-hmm. And they and they have their policy adjusted for that to where the college student is outside the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, your talent pool of your carriers that you're you're talking to, you're you're in communication. Let's say if it's a a progressive uh, rep up there, you can sit there and talk to them up north instead of just waiting for the ball to roll down here. Well. It's not about area in that term of, of sense, sense of things. And this is a good question to bring up now because we have a lot of graduates. So mm. congratulations to everybody that graduated. No, no joke. Awesome. High school and college, yay. Woohoo! So this is a great time to be talking about insurance because if your son or daughter or kid is going to go up north or they're going to go out of state, but you know their main address in their home is still here in Texas, then you can tell your carrier, hey, this car that I bought for my kid added to this policy, the kids added to the policy, but they're going to be living here at this address at this point in time for X amount of months. And then Mm -hmm. they're going to come back. Their main address is here, but where their car is going to be sleeping every night is up here in this area. So when you tell the carrier that depending on the carrier again, and this is why it's a case by case basis, most carriers will be like, Oh, thank you so much for letting me know. Um, we're going to put the note in here that this is where this car sleeps. So that in the event of an accident, this isn't a surprise. 
we already know that this vehicle is for a college student and this is where they are, this is the risk that we can foresee. So when you calculate the rate to add that vehicle and that, that kid at that address, that will be built in okay. to whatever it costs to endorse the policy to add that vehicle and that coverage. Does that make sense? Yeah, and when it comes to different regions, we're also dealing not just with a different geographical area, but also the seasons and the weather up there. Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, the kiddo goes uh, to college, let's say at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. You're talking about, you know, snow. We're, well, snow and also where, you know, Dorothy goes over the rainbow with a tornado. <laughs> so, you know, before somebody drops a house on somebody's sister, uh, mm-hmm. what are we talking about as far as I know it's case by case basis, but mm-hmm. also like wind, mm-hmm. storm coverage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and let's say with the policy, um, they uh, I'll, I'll even throw this out there. They have like a little home up there, like a little homestead or something. And you ensure that. I mean, that's also with the weather changing and stuff. Well, we're only licensed in the state of Texas. Okay. So I have a partner that I work with out of Colorado that has other locations in other states. So I would call my partner and say, hey, this person is actually moving and they've bought a property in Kansas. Help me get a coverage for that. And then so my, my partner would come in at that point and handle that claim or that, or that quote and that policy, because my company we're licensed in the state of texas which is big enough in itself but yes it but, is but people that's a, that's the thing sometimes out of area and also mm-hmm. let's say with our winter visitors if they're a permanent winter texan here that's one thing but yes but let's say they come down here and they they buy a policy here but they're still going back to the midwest and elsewhere and they go back in three to four months okay yeah, great in, yeah, i've got certain options cycles. we yeah. can write you one month two month three month policy we can write you a six month policy uh, progressive carrier um, has an option on there, and again, it's case by case basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a parked car coverage where, if no. you know, you leave your vehicle and you're not driving it for X amount of time, and you just leave it there, mm-hmm. like it's in storage. Yeah. Then they have a coverage for that. It's obviously limited coverage. Yeah. But in the event that something happened to it, like caught fl- on fire or a flood yeah, or something, flood. you know, floods a whole different animal. But yeah. if it caught on fire. Uh, if, you know, the tree collapsed on top of the roof and, you know, damaged the car because it fell on mm. top of it, okay, the, there would be coverage for that. So, again, every carrier is going to offer different coverages that are available. So, again, it depends on what the customer needs. So, if you have a collector's car or if you've got a, a beautiful 1972 NASCAR pace car mm. that you've got in the garage that's mm. air-conditioned and you keep that baby <laughs> super clean, Keep talking. I'm listening. Then uh, you're definitely going to want to have a line of coverage that would be appropriate for something that special. So Haggerty is a phenomenal partner for that. And we love working with them, too, for cars that are custom, cars that are collectible, Mm. um, all of those things that, you know, are, are... Something that you would see at like a car show or even like a weekend toy, a weekend toy, a Sunday car or a project. You know, my dad used to restore old cars and... Those things are so wonderful, but they are expensive to mm. build and maintain and insure. So you're going to want to carry a partner that's used to dealing with those special kinds of oh, cars. Finding a windshield for a vintage car. Yes. That's, oh man, I hope you saved your pennies and nickels and dimes for that. Or, yes. Or an, an interior. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. And or you get into, you know, those older handmade cars, even like Ferrari, they're handmade. Oh, yeah. So everything is custom for that. And there's insurance carriers 
for specific cars like that because they know this is not a, an easy factory-made thing. You can't walk into an AutoZone and get a, a, yeah. a battery for it. Like a Morgan or a MG or, back, or mm-hmm. Jag back in the day, they used what's called an English wheel. Mm-hmm. It's this, it looks like a medieval torture device, but they put <laughs> sheet metal in it, and it's it's like a true artisan. You're having to roll this metal. You're controlling the 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 way the roller works with your feet. And I've seen guys make this stuff for both airplanes and cars. And it's, it's like, it's like if you've ever seen somebody do the glass blowing Mm -hmm. and make vases and stuff like it's like watching that, but with metal, it's really cool. Yeah, it is really neat. I mean, even Volkswagen vehicles use the, what is it? The seven prong screws versus a regular four for a Phillips head. Or something. Oh, those star. The uh, star ones. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. I had a Jetta and my dad and I had to replace um, the receiver dryer in the AC of mm-hmm. my little Jetta. And I don't know who thought it would be a good idea to put the alternator on top of the receiver dryer. A German. I don't know. <laughs> a German. But we were laughing so hard because, you know, I had to get up underneath my car and mm-hmm. push on the alternator without pushing that receiver dryer that was, you know, tucked away back in there that was trying to get out, but you couldn't reach it because you had to pull the alternator out first. And that was really funny. But, you know, every car is, is you know, a work of art, really. Mm-hmm. And they're all going to come with something special and different unless they're mass produced. So you've yeah. got these beautiful older collectible cars that are not going to be easy to find parts for. Mm. So you need a carrier that matches that. And then the cars that come off the assembly line that, you know, fortunately we'll start seeing a lot more of, oh, which yeah. has well, been nice. The, the chips, come on, man, we're still waiting <laughs> on chips. And I ain't talking about ruffles and sour cream and cheddar, which sounds good because I haven't had breakfast. Uh-oh. I had my glass of Ovaltine. Uh-oh. But I'm, I'm good. That's not enough. I know. Little Orphan Annie. <laughs> was that Christmas story? No, but um, for that vintage stuff, but also like home insurance, let's say, yes. but for house, but what about RV? Like we were talking about our winter visitors. Same thing. Same thing. RV insurance, there's all different kinds, just like cars. And okay. knowing which carrier likes which one is important. Um, we recently did a food truck, and that was like the whole Wild Wild West because those are new. So finding a carrier that likes to write them, mm-hmm. but that is specialized in that, can be a trick if you don't know it. So it's it's more about, oh, you don't know something until you know it. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. But that's what our job is, is to go find those things and know them so that when someone comes in our door and says, hey, um, I just opened up a new food truck business. What do I do for insurance? And I'm going, awesome, we can help you with that. We Good. also write workers' comp. So if wow. you decide you're going to get two or three employees to help you with the food truck, great. If wow. you open up a restaurant or um, a dental office or an insurance office. A mobile dental office. <laughs> no, Interesting. I, no, and I was like, it sounds like a, it's a trap. It kind it's of trap. does. Yeah. <laughs> but free, free in, candy. Theory, in, yeah, theory, in theory, you could write that. Wow. And, and find the carrier that would ask you a ton of questions about your business, where it's going to be, what it's going to look like, what kind of equipment are you going to have. Um, a regular office policy is called a BOP, a business mm-hmm. office policy. Those are like buying a, a package deal off the shelf at the grocery store. You know, it's perfect. It's got everything you need. You put it in the cart and you walk off. Nice. Versus going to something that would be something like excess lines, yeah. which is you're going to pick and choose the coverages that you want mm-hmm. and then you'll put it all together at the end. Yeah, fine tooth comb to get exactly mm-hmm. And every- those carriers are I'm sure you've heard of Lloyd's of London. 
Sounds like somewhere where you buy vases. Yeah, Lloyd's. Uh, Yes, I bought this vase at Lloyd's of London. (laughs) No, but no, Lloyd's of London. Okay. So Lloyd's is um, what we call an excess and surplus lines carrier. So outside of your regular standard carriers, uh, if they say no, like, oh, this isn't a risk we want to take. Okay, well, there is an option, and that's usually an excess lines. So it's going to cost you a little bit more, but it'll get you the coverage that you need. So we've got all different kinds of options to address whatever need our customer comes into. Wow. There's one modern thing uh, that uh, I will say. What about rideshare? The people dro- driving Lyft ah, and Uber. That's Great that's, question. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious because I've got a buddy of mine that does that, and I've always – it's not that I shied away from the question, but I was like, how does that work out? You know, cause it's a great question. And as it becomes more popular, I think a lot more people are learning about it. And so what some of the car- those companies do is they get with a carrier, a big one, and they say, Hey, you know, can you offer the coverage to my new employees? And they, it comes out of their pay, I guess, or however they structure it, but they partner with a carrier to provide that as part of the job. Okay. So that's one of the things, but your regular personal auto coverage policy mm-hmm. would not cover you in really? the event that you, you know, turned on your Uber app and yeah, started that, picking up people. Yeah. At that point, your personal auto coverage would stop. Okay. And if you were on your way to pick up someone, mm-hmm. you would and you get into an accident, you're technically on the clock. So mm-hmm. that means your work auto policy yeah, they have that Lyft Uber that light. Coverage. Yeah, the moment of light. Yes. Yeah, that's like the old taxis, you know, yes. on duty, off duty. Yes. And uh, so, in theory, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, there are carriers out there that will write it separately, but you have to disclose it to them. Oh, yeah. And then there's a whole process yeah. for it. Again, it's still fairly new in terms of insurance. You know, it's several years old already, but that's still relatively new in the insurance world. Wow. So, yes, there are ways to do it, but it's still not as mainstream as you might think. And it's a a good thing that a lot of those big companies are partnered with the carriers so that they have experts in that. And it's it's still case-by-case basis. Yes, it is. And as we look out the window here, there's a lot of wind outside, and I'm sitting here going, we talked about weather and whatnot, you know, and flood and whatnot, and storms. But even down here, if we got wind coming in, there's something you mentioned when we were setting up uh, wind-driven rain. What yeah. What is wind-driven rain outside of Hollywood? So if you've ever, and this happened to us actually at our house, but I'm sure it's happened to lots of people. So if you're in the middle of a really bad rainstorm, it's raining, it's gusty and windy, and you notice that as it is blowing wind sideways mm-hmm. into your house and you start seeing water come in mm-hmm. through your windows you know through the yeah, seals starts and pushing things, through the window yep. that's wind driven rain and the damage that can come from that if it's not like mopped up say it you're not home and it that water gets in through those windows that are supposed to be sealed and supposed mm-hmm. to be tight but you know sometimes that wind comes through here 70 80 90 mm-hmm. miles an hour in those gusts and nature finds a way <laughs> yes it does and that causes some mold damage well you have to read your coverages Ooh. very carefully on your home insurance because Wind-driven rain may not be covered. Wind and hail damage will typically have very high deductibles, like yeah. 2% to 5% of your whole policy. And that can be, you know, several thousand dollars. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of people back in, uh, was it 2012 in McAllen? Mm-hmm. They're on, was it 6th Street? Yeah, 6th Street. Man, I'll tell you what, they 
they had a number done on them. I mean, uh, at the time, uh, the missus and I had a, a home there on Second Street, and I think we had two. Man, we we lucked out. Two little broken windows, and the hail hit the soffit, knocked the paint off. But we we had a flat roof. I don't like flat roofs, <laughs> and it put a couple of pock marks in the uh, the white tar or whatever it was. But it mm-hmm. it didn't spider it, to use that word, bad enough. And we got pretty lucky with that one. But there were some good. folks that like. I remember one of the people there. A skylight blew through, and Ooh. it was like a 500-pound Raspa was sitting in the middle, you know, snow cone oh, was sitting no. in the middle of their living room. And it's like, where's your coffee table? It's like, under that snow cone, you know. Oh, so, no. So that's, I was wondering about that. Yeah, so that's where you have to know your coverages very well. So in the event that something like that happens, what is it, what's actually going to be covered? And is that mm-hmm. is that wind-driven? Is that going to be like from falling weight and ice and snow? Some of the mm-hmm. things may not be covered, like up north where they get lots of snow and ice that builds up with mm. icicles and it looks beautiful you know we don't see that down here but, the, but it's still a weight the on the weight structure on yeah. the structure they may not cover if mm-hmm. your roof caves in because you did not take that ice off mm-hmm. or you didn't you failed to do your due diligence in protecting your home does that make sense yes ma'am so there 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 comes a part where it's like that deductible in terms of behavior you mm-hmm. got to do what you can to protect your house and it, and before you talk to an agent, uh, it's good to maybe, maybe of course, with our cell phones, take pictures of the property. Take your pictures, yes. I was about to say, just like after an accident. Take pictures. Yes. Take pictures first. You know, and Progressive's app is really great. Um, I haven't played as much with the other apps, but every carrier should have one by now. So if you get hooked up with that carrier with Progressive, you can file your claim and send your pictures and everything through the app. Awesome. And it's instant right there. The only thing that you would wait for would be the police report if somebody else was involved in the accident with you. But, yes, take your pictures. Righteous with an app. Because then you can show that to the carrier and say, hey, look, I'm trying to help you as much as possible so that we both get back to where we were pretty much before the accident happened. Because that's the purpose of insurance is to indemnify you, which means they want to put you back to where you were before the accident happened. No better, no worse, the same. Just to get life back to normal. Exactly. As we return to normal life. Yes. <laughs> slowly but surely, every day. Well, I don't I didn't hear the I didn't hear the bell ring in class, but I tell you what, I'm 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 now gonna go back and look through my own stuff. I'm gonna find out what's going on because some some life has happened life has happened to all of us and some life has happened to me. And uh, guess what? I'm gonna go through and reassess my stuff and so, and if you have any questions, you know where to find us. Yes, We're I do. Always happy to help. I know, and uh, the the courteous and uh, they have a great sense of humor too. The uh, pain insurance group folks, they they really do. <laughs> and also, uh, you do have offices, uh, of course, at the mothership over in Westlaco. And you said you have a rep at every dealership here. What about our pre-owned centers? Our pre-owned centers know that they can call us at any given time. We can send an agent out there if need be. But awesome. they can come to any of our locations, and we can provide you with the services that you need. Awesome. awesome. Or if you're not there and you just need to call in, hey, 956-832-5600 is our office number. And also paininsgroup.com, yep. paininsurancegroup.com, paininsurancegroup.com. Also on Facebook and the Instagrams. Yes, in we the, are. In the inner zones, or the, <laughs> the interwebs. 
Still on dial-up. No, I'm just kidding. They're not on dial-up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anybody who's still on dial-up. I don't know anyone. Napoleon Dynamite. They were still on dial-up. Maybe <laughs> that would make sense. That's where Idaho. Your in your own private Idaho. <laughs> oh my goodness me. So and that's one thing. You were a teacher. I that, was. And you're still teaching, like today. What did you now? Did you teach little ones or did you teach the older kids? Uh, I guess it started at Texas State. I was a graduate teaching assistant mm-hmm. as an undergraduate. Okay. So I I went through the training for the GTAs that they had there and loved it in my program. And so I did that my whole last year at Texas State. So after I graduated and it was 2010 and the market was kind of crazy mm-hmm. and you know it was kind of similar to now except it's the reverse you know jobs yeah. were hard to find and now it's there's lots of jobs mm-hmm. so kind of flip-flopped but um I my mom had been a teacher and my grandmother had been a teacher so I kind of thought well you know what I could teach I learned I learned as a kid because my mom practiced all of her lessons on my sister and I every summer so guinea pigs I could do this <laughs> yep and uh, when I moved back, I um, applied for a teaching job in Mercedes and loved it. And I taught sixth grade. My first year was world cultures, which was amazing. It was a lot of fun. And my second year was reading. And that was a little bit different. And I enjoyed it because I loved the kids. And I love reading. And the, the curriculum was not as fun on paper. So I got to find ways to make it fun. Mm-hmm. And... I think the magic of reading in books can be made even more magical today because people can make their own movies. You know, yeah. you can post it on TikTok and make your own little movie. Yeah, you can be your own so, George Lucas with your iPhone. You absolutely can, which is really cool. And so seeing, you know, the, the integration of technology and, and hoping to mix that with love of literature and reading is kind of the goal. And then after my second year, I decided I wanted to pursue my own education. So I went back and got my master's. And then after... I graduated with my master's is when Mark and Austin were like, you know what? I think, I think we're going to try to do this. Will you, will you come help? And I went, okay, sure. <laughs> so this wasn't really the plan. This just kind of was the way it worked out. And so far it's actually been a whole lot of fun. I learned a lot. I didn't know anything about insurance until I got into it. And then it's like, whoa, how did I not know any of this before? Wow, well, I was way overpaying for insurance, and wow. I didn't even know what I was covered for. I just assumed, like just about everybody else, that full coverage meant everything. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. So, if you want to learn what it is, hey, come on in. We'll have a conversation. We'll tell you all about it. We'll give right. you a free quote because it doesn't take but a few minutes, and it's free information for you to know. Part of the family business. Cue the Godfather theme. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it just makes sense. You know, you buy your car here, you trade it in, you repair it, you do maintenance. Why shouldn't you insure it here? Yeah, one-stop shop. Exactly. Valley-wide, from Brownsville to Rio Grande City, and blah, 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 blah. Well, I know As, I, as I say. <laughs> but uh, you said books. Uh, now, I do know this. You and Mark are your bookworms. You, we are. You guys are. are bookworms. Come on. We are. Uh, but there's something. I've seen those Kindles, and I know I read stuff on my phone and on the iPad. Mm-hmm. But there is something about a book. Yes. And from my own personal thing was, I'm a nerd. And <laughs> and the downtime we had out in the field in the Army in the 90s, out in the desert in California, uh, I was very thankful for both uh, my roommate, Chris Korf. Thank you, Chris. I love you, brother. 
for uh, he made me read Dune by Frank Herbert. I mean, Great book. See, seeing the seeing the movie is one thing, but I got to reread it. And then uh, Tony, I just reread it. You did, so yeah. The movie was great. The new one? Yeah, it pretty it did a great job of following the story. Good because originally it was Kyle MacLachlan back in the eighties. Yeah, there's then, some subtle differences, but I overall I was really impressed with the way they did it because you know when you read a book and you imagine it in your mind and you create the world, and then you see the movie. Well, sometimes it can be totally different than what you thought. It'd be disappointing. It could be very disappointing. But um, I no, I was really impressed. I really liked the new Dune movie. It's and that's that's the thing about the books and stuff. Uh, my other roommate, uh, Tony Anderson, he was an, also another intelligence army intelligence guy. And I remember opening up this box. I was like, what is all this stuff? And it was Star Wars novels. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, wow. you're a Star Wars nerd? And he goes, why, you got a problem with that? And I pointed <laughs> over to my shelf, and there's all these other Star Wars books. He goes, oh, my God, I don't have those. And I was, like, I was like, can I read yours? Yeah. And taking a book to the field and just getting 20 minutes, mm-hmm. that's, that's an eternity. But to read for a Star Wars nerd, you start reading. All of a sudden, you start hearing the John Williams soundtrack and lightsaber hisses and laser blasts it's like oh yeah and that uh my mom she read one of those danielle Steele. oh the dear. romance novels the romance yeah she had that stuff <laughs> she had what's that series clan of the cave bear oh no yeah and somewhere in a box in a tote i have her since she was a kid i have her um nancy drew oh nancy all. drew was the best i got them all what was the stuff you liked reading as a kid Oh, I loved all of it. Sci-fi, adventure. One of my favorite books as a young kid, I think, was um, Quicksand Swamp. Quicksand Swamp. It's about a little boy who's, uh, he lives kind of near a Mm -hmm. swamp-ish. And he he goes on like a, I think, man, this was a long time ago. Goes on a little adventure through a swamp looking for treasure. And he comes across quicksand and, you know, crocodiles and scary things. And, yeah, I I just really loved it. But I I grew up in an environment that encouraged reading. There were books all around us. We had the Britannica encyclopedias. Oh, yeah. And I loved them because I'm such a nerd. But, again, that's that's part of, like, what was around me all the time as a kid. So to punish me, my mom would take away my books. And then I'd I'd have nothing else to do. It would drive me crazy because I couldn't read. I got – in trouble a lot um, in like third or fourth grade because I was reading um, the Lord of the Rings series. Really? And I would, you know, hide it under my desk and I would finish my work real quick and then I'd, I'd be reading and the teacher would come in and be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing, nothing. And I'd try to hide my book and she'd be like, give me your book. You need to be focusing on the lesson. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to read. I want to find out what happens. And so my, my love of books began, you know, from, gosh, probably from when, my mom was holding me in her belly reading to me because that's how she was raised. You know, we always had books and knowledge all around us, and it was encouraged for us to do that. I mean, I would pick peaches and take a book up and climb one of the trees at my grandparents' house and spend, you know, an hour or two reading in the trees. And that was magical and amazing for a kid to do. And nowadays you're lucky if you see a kid outside, period. Yeah. yeah the times... The times are a-changing as I pick up my mouse and pretend to be debogulant, <laughs> playing my harmonica. But it's was... also a lot hotter now, too, outside. I, mean, I remember it being more temperate as a kid. And my grandfather, you know, he grew up in Mercedes, and he said every day it used to rain at about 11 a.m. And it was just a gentle little rain, rain for like 30, 40 minutes to an hour, and then it would stop. 
and it was much more tropical back then. Yeah, that's true. Well, I remember when the ice cream man would roll through the uh-huh. neighborhood. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and I remember 35 cents got me, what do they call it? Red, white, and blue bomb pop. Which were the best. Yeah, that and the, the fudge one with the was it chocolate and banana, whatever uh-huh. it was. And then I remember when uh, uh, the prices went to 50 cents, two quarters. <gasps> that Done. was so expensive. I know. I was like, oh, I was starting to, I was starting to feel the economy then. But uh, <laughs> it's like, this is wrong. Yep. And uh, not the same. Um, so, what what is your unicorn novel? Like, there's there's a book out there you want to collect, or there's an author out there you got to have them all. Come on, what is oh. it? Or, a, or like a certain series from a certain period, like a turn of the century. Like, there's some Victorian book out there that's. Um, you know, I've been waiting for years for a book, the final book in a series. Um, and it's the series is just phenomenal but this guy it's been like 12 years since you know he's come forward with the book and it's supposed to be out this summer and i'm just dying for this book is it a part of a series it is hold so on the, it's taking him 12 years uh-huh this guy's like the, oh i know he's, this guy's like the rock band boston they I put know. out an album every eight years it's like come on lazy bones i know so the author's name is patrick rothfuss and the series is called The King Killer Chronicles. Ooh. So the first book is called The Name of the Wind. And the second book is called The Wise Man's Fear. And he's written kind of a little um, chapter side off mm-hmm. on one of the characters. It's not a main character in this one. I mean, she is a character. She's very important. Mm-hmm. But um, it's called The Slow Regard of Silent Things. Ooh. And it focuses on her. And it's just the way that he writes is so interesting and it just keeps your attention so the final book in this series is called the doors of stone and that's supposed to come out this summer and it follows this young guy named koth mm-hmm. and he's kind of a, a smarty pants and he goes through all these incredible adventures because he's incredibly gifted his parents were killed when he was very young and they were um kind of gypsies travelers Mm -hmm. performers theater people and um you know they traveled from place to place and performed shows so he was brought up in this really rich environment where you know he was taught to act and you know take care of horses and learn languages and people and all kinds of things and um he all his life has been told up until the point where his parents are killed and Mm -hmm. his troop is lost and all of that stuff. And he um, kind of goes to this university where he wants to learn things. And it's just an incredible story. So I I have been waiting for this book for, I don't know, 10, 12 years now. And it's just driven me absolutely nuts that (laughs) he's written so many other things and he hasn't finished The Doors of Stone because I hate not knowing how something ends. So no joke. that's one of the things that I've been really like just waiting for this book. But um, I think Anne of Green Gables is probably Anna. my favorite book of all time. And I read that when I was probably second grade. Oh, my God. I loved it. I read uh, all kinds of things. You know, Mark and I both love books. And yeah. so we read. He likes the old. Like, he likes old. Fir- he says, if I can find a first edition, man. I'm he does hunt. love to collect the first editions. And so there's really old bookstores in um, places like Las Vegas 
Really? Or, yeah, there's like an old specialty bookstore. So we love to go in there and just look and see these incredibly old books. And one of my like bucket list things, I want to go to the library in Dublin, which is one of like the oldest libraries. Did you know the oldest library in Texas is in Lockhart? No, right outside of Austin. Yes. And it is an adorable little building. And it's, you know, such a great moment to reflect on history and how far we've come and what libraries mean. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know your mama was all about that, too. Yeah, her her mother was a librarian. And I grew up two blocks from Spear Memorial Library in Mission, which now it's this big thing. Mm -hmm. And I used to just get on my bike and it was not even... 60 seconds away. And isn't that wonderful? I mean, libraries to me were just always so special because they they housed knowledge and mm-hmm. adventure and worlds that, you know, you could create in your own mind. And we had to navigate the Dewey Decimal System. Oh, I remember that. I used to stay after school in sixth grade and help the librarian while my mom finished up class. And so I would... Wow. I got really good at the Dewey Decimal System. I, But, um... Anne of Green Gables, you know, and this is how I love the science and adventure stuff. But my problem is this. I have never read any of the C.S. Lewis stuff. I've never read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, none oh, of that wow. stuff. Yeah. That's a great series to read, though. I know. And I've, uh, what was that movie with uh, Denzel Washington where his wife had passed? There's like a list of 100 books to read before you die. And uh, there's certain, you know, all these n- novels and books. But I've never... I've never read Treasure Island. I've, I've never read <gasps> no? Tale of I've never read Tale of Two Cities, and it's I need to get on my game. I need to get on my game. There are books you should read at least once in your life. Yes, and then there's books that you can say I read it. I'm done with it. I can say I, I read it. it <laughs> I did and it, and I can talk to somebody about it. Victor but <laughs> business never stops. No, it does not. Keeps rolling. Yeah, so I I think that that has to be something that everybody does for themselves at least once. You know, like the Grapes of Wrath. You know, these are oh, yeah. Steinbeck. Is, you know, he's he's hard to read, but yeah. the things that he talks about. I mean, George Orwell, nineteen eighty four. Oh yeah. I mean, there's there's so many things that if you want to talk about something, read about it. Or you know, I mean, nowadays you can get the cheat sheets off your phone and yeah. you can get the summary of what someone else thinks about it. Yeah, Animal so, Farm. Animal Farm, you know, they taught that in high school when I was in high school. And I think it's important to read it and talk about it. And if you can have an honest conversation about difficult things, then that sets up the expectation for lots of other things where you can just say, there's nothing wrong with having a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. We can talk about something controversial. We can believe different things, but we can talk respectfully about it. And each book, I feel, is an adventure. It is. My my thing with why I I like a physical book is when we, we're dealing with our electronics, it's a screen. We swipe and we click. And, you know, if it's online in the cloud, I don't know, this is me reaching, but it's the fact <laughs> of what if somebody changed the ending, you know? Maybe. What if somebody left something out and it was a crucial part of that character development or to the arc of the story. And the great thing about an old print book is that's it. It's not changed unless you tear out the page or you burn it like some people in history. Or you read an abridged version. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, 
that's no fun. Yeah, and I I like the real deal Holyfield. I mean, I like being able to start something and then close it and be done with it at the end. You know, so I have finished this. Yeah. So you get halfway through it and you you hold that book and you're halfway through, and then you get three quarters of the way through, and as you start to approach the end, if you really love oh the story, oh my god. Uh, then you don't want it to end. Oh, I, I did the whole, I read the Potter series, and I remember I was, I got to the point of the book, it was the Battle of Hogwarts, and I'm just sitting there going, oh no. <laughs> because it's a, it's a. It's a thick tomb. Yeah, it's not too, you know, they did two movies, but it's a huge book. Mm-hmm. And it's dang near like one of them legal books you see, like <laughs> leather bound books in my library smells like mm-hmm. cedar and, and, you know, oak. And uh, there I am. And the book was heavier in my left hand than it was in my right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I'm nearing the end of this. I'm really not digging this. This is really, I started getting bummed. Yeah, because it's ending. Yeah, but the moment that uh, Mrs. Weasley sat there, spoiler alert, and <laughs> and zapped uh, old Bellatrix Lestrange. Great I mean, scene. I was I was reading on the book in the living room. I was quiet. I think the kids were taking a nap. And the Mrs. walks in. I didn't even notice she walked in until... I, I jumped up and pumped my fist. I was like, yeah, yes. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm reading a book. And she just gave me this look like, what's your deal? I was like, uh, you'll never mind. You know, I'm going to go back to yeah, reading I'm go my back. book now. It's like, I'm, yeah, I'm doing this right now. But uh, that's one of the last times when I read a book and it really grabbed my attention. I mean. And you felt it. Yes. And, and I think the kids that nowadays, if they don't like reading, maybe they just haven't found the right book. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's why uh, I grew up in a military aviation-oriented family. And while the kids were reading uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe or something like that, I was reading – I've still got my original copy. I don't have the, the sleeve that goes over it, but I, I've got it, the right stuff. I love that book. I've read it at least four times, four or five times in my life. I, I will never get tired of that book. Uh, I'll tell you what, I read Christine, Stephen King. Okay. Okay. That that scared the hell out of me. Yeah. It did. I did not want to drive. <laughs> like I read it I read it over a weekend and Monday morning it was my senior my senior year. There I am, you know, almost eighteen. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and, I, and all of a sudden I'm starting to get in my truck and I grab the key and I'm going, All right, look, we need to have an understanding here. All right, I like you. <laughs> I hope you're not possessed by a demon. I'm just trying to get to school. I mean, that's it. Put that, you know, it, that personification of, you know, a demon, you know, controlled car. But, yeah. But, but I mean, books have such power to do these yeah. things. And, and, it's and those really, are modern. It's yeah. your imagination. I mean, I think when you read Frankenstein, a lot of people think that Frankenstein was the monster. And that's in the, one that's, t- maybe he was. But, but it was the doctor, yeah. And that was the first. Um, uh-huh. That was the first science fiction book read, yes, it uh, was. written. Uh, Mary Shelley? Mary Shelley. Ooh, yeah, science fiction and mm-hmm. adventure. Yeah, and then you get into kids' books, you know, like The Giving Tree. You know, you little things like that that you remember from when you were a kid. I mean, The Giving Tree still makes me cry. Oh. It's such a sad but beautifully sweet story. And Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the part of the podcast that I have been dreading, and that is due to losing the last one-fourth of our sit-down of Payne Auto Talk with the lovely Mrs. Deidre Payne. Somehow my fingers flying across the keyboard or click something wrong, 
and that last one-fourth of the podcast has been lost to the annals of time and some digital black hole somewhere in another dimension. But we will definitely have Mrs. Dieter Payne from Payne Insurance Group back on Payne Auto Talk. We have plenty more to talk about, a lot of great stuff on books, reading, and uh, just what we do in general as people. Uh, it was lovely having her on, and to have her on again is going to be a real joy and treat for everybody else. We did talk about music a little bit, and she mentioned several artists. Uh, she's into uh, electronic dance music, EDM. Uh, she has somebody very close to her who actually uh, creates and produces that music, but also she likes singer-songwriters, and she mentioned the name Ed Sheeran. So... I've heard a couple of his tunes, and I went through his catalog, and I selected a really cool tune. I hope that she likes it. I hope that y'all like it, because uh, it was a little bit of a learning process for me. But sometimes it's nice just to plug in a couple of microphones, get a guitar. And, of course, I had to write a musical chart for it. But I learned the song and tell you what, it was a lot of fun to play. It has a lot of meaning. And i tell you what, I'm probably becoming an Ed Sheeran fan. So thank you, Deidre and company and everybody else who said, Chris, you need to play some of that Ed Sheeran music. No, it ain't rock. No, it ain't country. But guess what? It is a lot of fun to play. And uh, it's really cool stuff. So I hope you enjoyed this little Ed Sheeran tune. And uh, here we go. Alrighty, Deidre, we don't own the rights to this next song, but Mr. Ed Sheeran does. I thought it'd feel different playing Wembley, 80,000 singing along with me. It's what I've been chasing. Cause this is the dream When it was all over I cleared out the room Grabbed a couple of beers Just me and you Then we started talking The way that we do Ain't it funny how The simplest things in life Can make a man Little moments that pass us by But I remember The first kiss, the first night The first song that made you cry The first drink of red wine On a step in Brooklyn I can still feel the first fight And we both made it out alive I can't wait to make a million more First time Greatest thing that I have ever achieved Was four little words down on one knee You said, darling, are you joking? And I just said, please Ain't it funny how the simplest things in life can make a man Little moments that pass us by Oh, but I remember First kiss, the first night, the first song that made you cry, the 
first look in your eyes When I said I love you I can still feel the butterflies From when we stumbled home that night I can't wait to make a million more first times The simplest things in life can make a man Little moments that pass us by Oh, but I remember The first kiss, the first night The first song that made you cry The first dance in moonlight In your parents' garden I can't wait to see everything That is yet to be our first child Then a million more first times. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us up to the end of this edition of Payne Auto Talk with the lovely Mrs. Deidre Payne from Payne Insurance Group. You can uh, log on to payneinsgroup.com. That's right, payneinsgroup, all one word, dot com to find out your waiting opportunities with insurance, with home and auto, and also commercial. And I got a feeling we're going to be talking about that commercial stuff a little bit more because commercial and fleet with Payne Auto Group has really taken off. So uh, we're going to cover that next time. I got a feeling we're going to do that because a lot of people are booming in business and they got to have that vehicle to take them there, both them and their stuff and their career on the move. So thank you once again for joining me, Chris Marshall of the Payne Street Team here on Payne Auto Talk. Brought to you by our friends at Payne Auto Group Valleywide, Payne Insurance Group, that's payneinsgroup.com, and also the mothership, payneautogroup.com, where we have what you want, lo que tu quieres, regardless, and we are gone.